Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes we achieve outstanding pairings, and other times we give ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Dave Gurney. I'm here with Joe Hilliard and Carlos Cooper. And boy, do we have an episode this week. Joe saw me coming into the house tonight and uh, to record, and he said, I can't wait to talk about these. I feel the same way, because um, I'm really curious what you guys have to think about these films. But I'm getting way ahead of ourselves. I here. ran into you at. I'll, I'll, I'll let yeah, you get yeah, ahead yeah, of yourself yeah. one more second. I ran into you at a friend's 40th birthday party. We did run into and each And you other. whispered to me, "Have you had a chance to see the black phone?" <laughs> I said, "Yes, I have," and that's all we talked about. That's as far as the movie is. Concerned. Right. That was the end of the conversation. That's then. how yeah, it works. Yeah. We had a similar discussion at the yeah. store. He asked me, and I was like, "No, I haven't seen it yet." Uh-huh. Uh, but before we get there, as you well know. Uh, things have to be done first, um, and what what that is is beer has to be opened, poured, described, introduced, if you will. Um, so this is from Bottle Logic Brewing Ooh. Company. Uh, we had uh, one from them recently. Yeah. By way of our buddy Daniel, this is also California, from Daniel. By the way, I feel like a, California an idiot last time talking about them being from Florida. I don't know what what was in my head but it's they, all it's all yeah. good uh so this is called dark rituals because there is at least one dark ritual at the center of the film that we are going to be For talking sure. about today um and it is a barley wine stout blend it is part of their advanced barrel aging program and it is a bourbon barrel aged high gravity barley wine blended with a bourbon barrel aged imperial rye stout this came out in twice's bottle 2021 13.13 percent alcohol by volume uh director's notes say they distrust my methods but when they want results whom do you think they seek this is batch 001 of this particular beer uh in a nice 500 milliliter bottle with beautiful artwork as you always expect from bottle logic it says to serve it in two uh eight ounce glasses at 58 degrees store safely at 40 degrees and uh the food pairings are gorgonzola dulce ramen wagyu burger and vanilla glazed cronuts that's very specific food a, choices. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> how, how do I find any of the food? The uh, only we, thing that I've even gotten close to ever having consumed in my life is a cronut. Don't know if it was vanilla glazed or not, but a cronut <laughs> seems approachable. I think Dunkin' Donuts has them, right, or something. I think I, it was a, it was a point, craze sure. for a little while, but I don't know what gorgonzola dulce is. To be quite honest, well, sweet gorgonzola. The, I mean, is that dulce? that doesn't is seem that... like a cheese that lends itself to sweetness? It's literally filled with mold. We will discuss gorgonzola dulce at length in after hours tonight. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash Beer and Movie Podcast. You can five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode. Every single week. You can hear us talk about Bottle Logic five mere episodes ago when we had their fundamental observation alongside the film Men. Joe actually, as I was handing him that bottle, leaned backwards in order to stretch his hand out and lean farther back to make my job more <laughs> I'm difficult. trying to help you burn more calories. <laughs> I played this basketball like yesterday and bomb. I am uh, hurting yeah. deeply from it. Um, yeah. Did I mention that we're going to talk about black phone? I've already done that, right? You did. Well, the beer is as black as a phone. This thing is poured (laughs) so dark and so not thick necessarily. I got to start being stingier with my pores. What's the ABV on this? 13.13. Yeah, it might make sense. We're starting big. It is big, yeah. So, we were talking about a movie that was supposed to come out in January, then in February, 
ultimately released in June, yeah. competing with uh, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Yeah, we went this route. Uh, Scott Derrickson, of course, directed the first Doctor Strange movie. He left the second one, the most recent multiverse film, due to creative differences, electing to direct this instead, which was already on his list. It just got moved up a little bit. Uh This is a director of Sinister, The Exorcism of of Emily Rose, two films I have not seen. I've seen Sinister, I think. Uh, I didn't see The Exorcism of Emily Rose, but I remember it. Yeah, all the talk on Sinister that I've read since Black Phone came out is that it's a very compelling, very creepy film, and now I'm kind of curious to take a look at it. Yeah. But this stars, do I want to say podcast favorite Ethan Hawke? We're big Ethan Hawke fans here, correct? I wouldn't say that at all. No? For myself. Okay. You wouldn't say that? I don't know if he's a favorite. I mean, we've... I guess I'm I'm thinking of the movies of his we've covered, which Blaze is looms large there. I mean, you, yeah, you love but, that, but not when he's in though. I, I, hmm. Because this is an acting. I guess we have this is in an acting context. I, when he said favorite, I'm I'm framing it in an acting okay. context. Well, okay. Black Phone is late '70s Denver, and there is a serial child abductor on the loose. We assume Grabber. it's a killer because Potential murder, yeah. yeah, because the, the children's bodies are not being recovered. These children are not being found. They just disappear. Um, the film follows brother and sister Mason Thames or Tim's Mason is playing Finney. He is grabbed by the Grabber played by Ethan Hawke. His sister is played by Madeline McGraw. They are... um, What's the sister's name again? Gwen. Gwen. Yeah, their father is played by Jeremy Davies, and um, Ethan Hawke, of course, is the grabber. He is a... Which sounds a lot. I, I mean, I feel like it's, the the name works in the context of the film. It's you the saying name it outside kids would of come it up as, in with, the summary makes it sound like yes. it's a goofy movie, like the Wiggles and the Grabbers <laughs> after the kids. Ah, watch out, Grabber! Not a lot of goofy in this film, David. Um, Not at all. Th- though, okay. Well, all right. Uh, finish your synopsis. Sure. I have a little rejoinder to after that. Finney's best friend and other acquaintances are grabbed and the school is rocked and shocked he himself is grabbed black van black balloons don't don't talk to strangers kids and uh he finds himself when he wakes up in a basement there is a black phone rotary old-fashioned phone with a cut wire it's not working not really old-fashioned though just like the type of no phone it would have been at current time. at that time oh yeah yes. old-fashioned to today standards yeah. of course anytime you see a rotary phone you know you know it's old-fashioned it's a period piece, yeah. uh two rotary phones in this episode um and then uh the film is not so much horror, if you'll go with me here. It's more of a thriller, can he escape this basement movie? Uh, the Grabber, played by Ethan Hawke, uh, wears a mask basically at all times when he is confronting Finney in the basement, in the home where he's being kept. The mask is a two-part mask, an upper half that covers the eyes, a lower half that covers the nose and mouth, but there's interchangeable pieces that kind of reflect the mood of the grabber in that moment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a sinister it's basically smile. basically a smiling grabber or a Right, kind of like the, the classic no tragedy. Oh, right, yeah. At the, the, the very first mask we see him in, there's no mouth at all. Yeah. Right, it's two pieces, so sometimes he's wearing the yeah. top, sometimes he's wearing the bottom, sometimes he's wearing both. And that is the film. Will he get out? Now, a twist. Two twists. Number one, the sister, I'm sorry, their mother, who is deceased, they're being raised by a widower, uh, must have had, the mother must have had some kind of psychic 
ability, dreams that has been passed along to at least the daughter. Though that's called into question at some point. And then the second twist is that this phone, which is not connected to anything, you see the cut cord, begins ringing. And the voices on the other end are the previously captured kids and peers of Finney. Can they help him get out? Will he get out alive? Will the grabber grab him and play Naughty Boy until he is dead? That is the film. That string of words I didn't care for. Although, (laughs) I I will say that uh, I believe your first and second twists to be one and the same. Which we'll, which we that can get is in, something to talk about. Which we can get into as we go Fuck, through it. Fuck, let's just dive right in. We should, because I went and saw this yesterday, and in another edition of fucking weirdos at the movies, I bought a second row ticket to Alamo Drafthouse, mm-hmm. one for Kylie and myself. No seats had been bought. This is maybe two hours before the showing, okay. so not even super far in We may be alone in this theater. No, 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 no. Like the theater is pretty full, but okay. the second row specifically I picked you. because there was it was the only row where not a single seat had been purchased. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of seats bought up everywhere else and even in the front row. And so I was like, you know what? There's no one here. I'm just going to take these two seats. A couple decided to buy seats after me and with the entire row to choose from right next sat to directly next to us. And I'm not going to say they talked a lot during the movie because a lot, they did. Okay. They, de- they definitely didn't talk a lot, <laughs> but they, they moved a lot. They made weird noises. The vibe was fucked uh, because of these people. Oh, um, I'm but, sorry to hear that. But we went to the movie, we walked out of it and the first thing Kylie says is like, I have a lot of questions about this. I don't know that I liked this movie. Question number one, can a phone really work if the cord is cut? No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, come on. clearly. I mean, this is going to be one of those where I'm going to throw out all of your mis- <laughs> You're going to talk about the rules. But tell me about the rules. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. Is this I'm going to talk about rules, boys. Rules. Get ready. And so, so, so the first thing that I'll say is that I like this movie. I might be the only one in the room, if I'm guessing correctly, that likes this movie. Uh, no, I like this movie. I you thought did. you okay. were going in on it. I oh, thought you no, were no, about no, to no, tell no, me no. how there were all these holes no. and ga- and like, how could this system really work where there no. is some sort of purgatory <laughs> where the children are just stored and they don't know who they are, but they know things about his situation? Which, which no. by the way, this? David, is a fantastic understanding of what what is going on. I mean, yeah. sure, yeah, certainly. There are five, I think, previous victims before Finney. Some, it, they're some, mapped onto, I don't know if you picked up but there's a lot of references to nkotb throughout this film okay and i think the five kids are supposed to map directly to got danny it. donnie got jordan got yeah so th- uh, that being said uh robin t- <laughs> 20 years before new kids on the block even existed i mean it's no. like a premonition film it's only it's like maybe 12 years yeah, but still yeah late 70s 78 Oh, was this 78? It might only been like ten. seven years or eight years. Seven I mean, you kids on the block. Was that 85? Okay, now anyway. we are going oh, yeah, down a rabbit hole. Right. Um, that was a joke, folks. I was just throwing in the NKOTB for silliness. Okay. I, I liked this movie. I want to discuss some of the things that I've heard already be brought up. But okay. I liked this movie very much. I thought that it used the technique of jump scare very effectively. It's not full of them, but when they are used, Sparingly. it's effective. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not every 10 yeah. minutes. But no, it's not a fucking cat used. jumping out of a cupboard. I hate that I shit. I hate that too. And not all of the 
scary or suspenseful moments are jump scares. No, no. no. There's a good balance of different storytelling yeah. techniques to yeah. have you on the edge of your seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're seeing here then is a boy alone in a room with a mattress. It's a two-room basement. Uh, a toilet room, a restroom, a hallway to it, and then his main kind of sleeping area with a yeah. shitty mattress bolted down to, to yeah, the floor. Bolted down. Uh, High-level windows with bars on them. and Window, uh, singular. Correct. Right. And he is, I mean set up to be killed it's a perfect killing layer is what it appears to be yeah it's soundproofed until the phone rings and then you begin understanding that the universe that we're watching is that he is able to receive not not call out but receive phone calls from like i said the previous victims okay so i think i think we have the like function of the phone uh kind of laid out now here's now here's my thing my theory on it, right, is I think that somehow the clairvoyant sibling is relaying information from her uh, precognitive dreams to him via this phone. How that works, I don't know. Oh, I'm, you, not really that con- I'm not really I, I, that concerned with it, but I think that's how he's receiving this information is because they are brother and sister – they really could have taken it that next step and made them twins if they wanted to, but they didn't, and I'm not really upset about that. But it might have made more sense to the audience if they were twins, but because they have this genetic link to one another and she has this kind of clairvoyancy, yeah. I think that the function is that she is dreaming these things and it is being relayed to him through this kind of unconscious like you- cerebral connection that they have. And the reason I think that is because of the dream she had with Vance, the kind of like rocker guy at the, the pinball one of the machine. Victims is, and yeah. she's in the car with him in her dream and she starts hearing him saying things that Finn has heard on the phone and that's mm-hmm. when she sees the house and that's kind of, it's that, that's a third act moment, but that's what made me think that. Now the second question that I have, oh, and that do, we'll get, Do you want to hear a rebuttal? Well, no, and that we'll get to. No. I, <laughs> well, no, no, no. I just want to say this out loud before I forget because I will lose track of it. My The second thing which we should explore later is, is the supernatural element needed and does... Effective. Can you ha- make this film without it? But so, uh, so my theory on the why not the that he's also genetically gifted just I in a slightly too. different he way. He could be. He could be. That's how I I kind of thought of it as this family has this connection to via the mother, that, not the father. But it was, right, right, yeah, because the father can go fuck himself. But it's the, the although I'll, I will say one, Jeremy Davies, great actor, love seeing actor. him show up and stuff. So that it was cool. And two, I think they actually made like a nuanced. Not that you want to like sympathize with abusers because he's clearly an abuser yeah. but he's clearly a damaged person yeah. with great trauma himself no, and he's true. be and it's out of being overprotective that he's become abusive which is sad well, and, and a terrible and story but yeah. it's a real story it's like yeah. one that it is i don't know i just feel like for a horror film to have actually plugged in this somewhat nuanced D- dysfunctional family, and I think an accurate was picture of amazing. the late '70s because he beats the, his daughter with a belt, yeah. and it is a traumatic scene right. for the audience. But people it is used to beat kids with deeply belts. troubling. They used to, and they yeah. probably still do more than we want to talk about. But yeah, back in the late '70s, I mean, of course, everyone got spanked. You know, I mean, that was kind yeah. of the way that it worked. It Which generalization, but we'll pretty pick, much accurate. We'll pick up on that. A tangent as we get more towards yeah. talking about the grabber himself and Ethan Hawke's performance, which I do want to touch on. But again, the reason that I think that it's channeled through the sister is to the because brother. of that scene. Uh, I, and, and I don't doubt it. I feel like maybe 
we're almost splitting hairs. I don't think the film defines it clearly. What it makes clear is he has a way to connect through this phone. Yeah. She has a way to connect through her dreams, whether they're intermingled or she's an intermediary. That could be. And they're yeah. clearly very deeply connected. That relationship, the performances in this film sell this film. I agree. Right? right? I Across agree. the board, there's, there's not bad the brothers in the movie. and sister are tremendous. They both do a great job. Yeah. And you believe that they're really that close. Even the supporting cast kids are pretty good. Even when they're like paper thin bully type characters, it kind of. The I scene think, where Robin and Finn are yeah. talking in the bathroom was a little kind of like my line, your line, but. A little uh, bit, know. but it was kind of. But it was also, I don't know. I like I liked it. I like that character. I liked all of it. And again, right to the adult actors, Davies, uh, Ransone, and Hawk. And Hawk. We're, we're about to talk about Hawk. What, Which we'll get to. But to, to finish the thread about the like paranormalcy of it all, I just wonder if it was necessary. I understand its function in terms of helping... Finn. It had to. It had to be there for Finn. Finn's story doesn't work that's, unless that's there fair. is a supernatural connection. Now, unless he's a MacGyver qu- and can get out of that room. The question I asked is, what is the what is the purpose of Gwen? What is the purpose of Gwen? Yeah. And the answer there is, it becomes a little bit of a diversion, right? I mean, and it's kind of consistent with this family having this heritage of it. So I kind of like that. But in fact, in that sort of climactic you know, end point scene where yeah. she's going to rescue him simultaneously while he's maybe in great danger. A and classic Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. A classic. It's, it's showing you the kind of, oh, is she going to make it before he gets, and then you get yeah. that false, oh no, they were at the wrong, the wrong house. Right, because yeah. she's been receiving dreams or or however you want to discuss yeah. how the paranormal occurs in They're her dreams. dreams. That Jesus uh, is That her. show the house. She sees the house. She sees the street number of the house. She convinces her father, who had been this abusive thug, but once his son is abducted, you begin to like watch his thaw. Probably still is, but he 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 warms up to. He takes her out in the car to. Well, he knows that there was legitimacy to what his wife's thing was, even though it went off the rails and became yeah right. And his son is in grave danger, and the the police have not been able to do anything about it. So if the daughter can provide some. So he takes her for a ride in the car just to look for the house. Yeah. You know, I don't think they yield any. Um, they don't find it at then. that, she at has that to moment. Have a further, yeah. She does that later in the rain on her bike, you know. Yeah. Um, the rebuttal to the. Uh, and just, a, it's, it's, I'm guessing, is that when she runs into the five previous victims on her bike and yeah. she yeah. sees them standing in front of the house a, when she finally finds it, jump scare. Um, that's my rebuttal to your idea is that, that, that she's not in league with them, that, that they're working separately. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. I, and one thing to at least wrap up my thoughts on the clairvoyancy supernatural element of this is I think the film actually does benefit from a lack of definition of that whole piece because the fact that they didn't try to establish any rules leaves the door yeah. open for anything to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's once you start to establish rules within the world and you then start breaking them that things fall apart. And because there were never really any hard set, this is how it works kind of situations established, right. I'm okay that it's vague and I can go there with it because it's in function of the narrative Without a doubt. and it's effective in yeah. a way that I found enjoyable. I could see how some people would be like, well, they didn't explain that. And like, yeah, they're less with that and more with the grabber. Kylie kind of had some hangups about 
explanations and loose ends and stuff like that. Well, you just wrapped up my problem with the movie, and I think we share it. It's the idea that the supernatural is presented as a narrative function. Because at the end of the day, and we can assume that he does escape from the grabber, it is a MacGyver situation. Well, he does. But all of the elements of doing it came from the, the kids. Yeah, they were that all failed went, attempts at escaping they that were, then that worked when combined together. could create a booby trap that and would perfectly. That's why I love this movie is because it ha- it's really fucking bleak. This movie's really bleak for yeah. most of it, but it has a triumphant ending that thank God leaves you feeling some kind of okay afterwards. Yeah. Even even a little good because it's well, like when he walks the, through the school, you're like, fuck yeah. Well, like, you get, and you also get he's that. He's the guy that killed the grabber. The, the and phone, he gets the girl. That, that part I like less. The phone but, best pays off when it's put up to hit the grabber at the end so that yeah. those victims yes. can deliver their final their fuck, fuck you. you. Oh, it's so I good. Mean, to me, that was the master stroke yeah. of this whole thing was like, the phone is... I don't want to say hokey, but I, the trailer put me off. I did not think I was going to like this film. Based on the trailer, the exact I'm same like, way. this sounds like the stupidest gimmick. Now, I think it sold it on the basis of the cast. I think there was a good act one that was mainly focused on the kids at school, which gave me Stranger Things vibes. Like you were saying, there's nothing... Same good. jacket, right? The yeah. rainbow? I mean, come to, on. To me, the, and there was some humor there. Like yeah. it, There was actually some levity to about the first you know, 30 minutes of the film. There's a joke that I laughed out loud at right before the dad beats the crap out of Gwen and going from like a laugh out loud moment to like that so quickly. Too hard to watch action on the film. Really hard to watch left me somewhat disturbed. She was so good in that. She was. She was less good when she was cursing with the officers. I thought that that was like, you you did like it. I I thought that 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 was kind of like, okay, come on. (laughs) So, but I'll say that, you know, to me, that final piece where it turned around that that's where it went from like a passable but still somewhat hokey device to being like damn i like that device yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you delivered here made, joe hill yeah you, you you made the right move and i'm i'm assuming that comes from the story i haven't read the story i haven't either, haven't either. Yeah. before we move on and we should the phone pulsating and breathing yeah i i that's when i was like okay enough what, what are what like are we that. supposed to see what, what are we what are you telling us about this phone? Yeah, I don't... That the phone has the power and not, you know, that's another a fair, rebuttal. That's a fair criticism because I don't know that those moments are really in service of the world or the story yeah. or any character necessarily, but they do look kind of cool and so I was vibing, you know. Yeah, the the only the only thing that I questioned at all in this one in terms of what what was put into it was the Max, the brother situation. Okay, yeah. Good, 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 good segue. I'm not, I'm not 100% sold on that needing to be there. I he think never he could, went down that door ever. He never asked oh, what was behind well, that, that was, door. That's the part that if you think about it a little bit, it gets irritating, but I, I don't well, tend to... Because he's high as fuck the whole time. So, so Ethan Hawke well, yeah, has a brother get, that lives with him. You get that him. one scene with the cops, which is kind of funny yeah. and goofy. You might want to but clean up your apartment. But that's a house. classic, like, crime detective, like, oh, we were there. Like, you know, it's a classic trope. I guess. I guess. I just, it it felt like maybe that was 10 minutes of diversion that didn't need to be there. And I, I don't even think it was that, it didn't even add that much to It sets the, up a kill. The delay of the yeah. suspense there. I mean, it, it does. does set up a kill. It, do, it does sets allow for a kill. full-on kill, and I it, guess. And it, it, it is what leads us to finally 
fully grasping the level of derangement of the grabber that right without right. If, without if, flinching well, well there his, you just his, see his, very graphically what he's capable of I well get and it, I get and it. what he'll do to satisfy this compulsion that he has because sure. he doesn't f- even think twice about axing his own brother, his brother in the head well like, no, i think that that's this, also a function of i i gotta kill the witnesses well yeah but yeah. you would think that you know, if you're talking about a character that's conflicted or a character that, like, yeah. you know, like with the dad, for instance, like they give some depth to him. I mean, the grabber is just pure. But why evil would the, and, you know, why would the grabber let him stay there? I mean, the grabber knows he's obsessed with the grabber. So wouldn't he just say, oh, my plumbing's backed up, baby bro. I can't let you stay at my place right now. Sorry. I don't Get know. your cocaine and get out. Yeah, I keep, you know, I keep your enemies closer, I guess. With the, <laughs> so, okay, so. Let's, so let's go to the grabber, and I'm going to just very briefly kind of talk about his, his methodology, and then I have some theories about the film and its larger like meaning and context. I can't wait. Uh, so the thing that we know about the grabber is that he takes these kids, he puts them in his van because he's like a weird magician guy or whatever. He's got these black balloons. Uh, there's nothing left in that bottle, uh, Joe. Um, and <laughs> Off mic, I was trying to... I know, and it's very distracting. <laughs> so... Uh, Wait till I start grabbing. <laughs> oh, God. So he takes these kids, puts them in this basement, eventually kills them. What we find out as the film goes on is that the there's a, a process and a specific method that leads him to the killing. He, so he for, likes to treat, he likes to act like he's a nice guy and he's going to let him go. He's going to explain it all to he's him. He's not going to do anything to them that they're not going to like, is what he says. And right. then at one but then point, they he, start misbehaving. They're naughty boys. Exactly. Yeah. So at one point, he leaves the door open to tempt them right. to escape. And then he waits at the top of the stairs right in front of the door. Where with his shirt off or open, with a belt in his hand and his mask on. And then once he sees them try to escape, that's when they've been a naughty boy and he gets to beat them senseless. And then eventually he can then bring himself to escalate to finally killing them and right. then burying them, right. et cetera. Right. Um, now, obviously, the belt thing has a very close tie-in to what we see with the father earlier. And I think all of that is doing this in service of a kind of... File this movie under take the rose colored glasses off. Back in the day was not that good. You know, like that's yeah, like the sure. genre of that's movie that we're operating it, yeah. in. And so it's trying to say something about the way in which men are raised to believe that violence will help you to establish your power over another person and pow- having power over other people is the way that you are a man and you see that not just with the grabber and the dad and, but you see it also with the way that the kids fight each other. Like the violence that's in this film is very graphic and like not at all fun ever. Like even when it's like 12 year olds fighting each other, it's It's brutal. brutal. Robin like beats this kid to a bloody pulp, you know, and then they kick the living shit out of Finn and his sister. Yeah. Like different group of bullies, you know? Yeah. She hits that kid in the face with a rock. When I saw the blood start coming down his head, I was like, Oh shit, that's fucking wild. And, and then I think even too, you see the, uh, like, perceived like ideal power balance of what you know this patriarchal upbringing would lead you to believe is supposed to exist in that like the character in the film that clearly has a supernatural ability and it is pointed to in a very specific way is the sister Gwen we Uh infer it about Finn but Gwen it's directly acknowledged 
and it leads the dad into this place of fear, which then begets violence because he wants to have control over her because he doesn't understand her, and which is obviously this well, like, and bigger because, allegory. And for, because he lived with a woman who had a similar gift, who it drove her mad, sure. and she killed herself, and so he wants to protect her from that. Let me, I, let yes, me squelch well, this gift well, so that, you don't have the All he does is that the person ending. I knew who had this killed themselves because of it. I don't want her to die. Yes, right. but, but there's also not any interest in trying to develop any kind of understanding of what's or, going or on with her or in, no. investigating it in any way shape or no. form it's a suppression he's a, he's it's a, a um, you know and and i think that's like a modest man i think it's an allegory for this like way that historically women have or men have sure due to a lack of understanding and a lack of desire to understand women have rev- have gone instead of like let's try to figure out like what we have in common or like, you know, what makes us different and how to like work through that to just like, no, I need power over you yeah. so that I can control you. Right. And I think that's what this whole movie's about. I think that's part of it for sure. And definitely the generational like cycles of, of trauma and stuff like the fathers beating their sons. You, you have to imagine the grabber was beaten as a child. And this is for like sure. him trying to recreate this traumatic naughty scene boy from his childhood with where belt, he gets certainly. to control the yeah. situation. And he's very infantile when he's in the grabber state. Like yeah. you hear him once speak in his normal voice to his brother. Yeah. Right. But the rest of the time, Ethan Hawke is giving this amazing performance of this like very, with a mask on for 95, percent of yeah, the film. Yeah, you see very little of which his Which is face. a very brave it's a very, kind of acting choice. It's a very Hugo Weaving V for Vendetta type of situation. Yeah, it's yeah. like um, yeah, well said. It's a he, him and his agent had a talk before he accepted mm-hmm. this thing. Well, he has a no villains rule. Your face is not going to be seen during your performance and when it is, you've got on white like mime yeah. makeup. Or it's only half your face. Yeah, right. out in the, in the public. Um... But he is really fucking good at this. He is fantastic in this movie. And it and Ethan Hawke in the film really was, David, you said earlier, we all three of us were kind of put up by the trailer. It, it was the saving grace and then the early reviews. Because it was 100% Rotten Tomatoes for a, a while. I think it's like an 85. Now. Yeah. You know it's still how, high. You know how that works. Um, yeah, I... My, my least favorite part was the paranormal part. But huh. it is such a key component of the film yeah. that you can't take it out. No. Yeah. So I'm here saying that I recommend this movie. I I, I believe that it, it it should be seen. Yeah. I'm I'm eager to go back and watch Sinister, uh, based on some of the things I've read about this director's work prior. Uh, Doctor Strange. For, I don't care. Um. You know. <laughs> don't care. That's not that's 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 a director that's had two or three modest hits that gets a chance for a Marvel paycheck, and, it, and, and, I, and I, it, I don't begrudge him for that, but. It's not yeah, my... and that's the only of his films that I've seen before this one that yeah. I know of. Yeah, and I I thought it was it, I liked it more than the newer one. But, but I'd be very curious yeah. to see his next film. That's 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 uh, original. I'm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, based on this, I hope he continues uh, working in the horror. Well, what the ending, the MacGyver part. I call, a... I call it the MacGyver part. Yeah. But the idea that if uh, he's dug a hole in the hallway and he's covered mm-hmm. it with a blanket, and if I jump over that, then he'll fall down into the hole. Is a great ankle break, and then Brutal. at that point, you know, okay, I see how he's going to get out of this. Yeah, uh, just the guy the has a, a, a pit bull, I think, that's uh, guarding the exit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but bull. don't worry, because uh, one of the other voices of one of the other kids had, had told me that the there's a freezer, a freezer full yeah. of meat if you can get through a wall and he does which for a second I thought was going to be the kids oh yeah the kid oh kid in the meat? freezer yeah. Yeah. like that the he was that there was Jeffrey like a Dahmer cannibal kinda, thing yeah. also 
Didn't go that route. Well, the, the film never talks about the grabbers, kind of. I mean, it's alluded. You talked about, we, we talked about already. Maybe he was the product of abuse or who knows. But we never know what makes the grabber kick tick the way that we know what makes Hannibal Lecter say tick, you know. No, they don't do a psychological profile nope, of him. just no. a serial killer that owns two homes across the street from one another. And I think that's like, I think that's one of the better parts of the film. Sure. Is because... The, Let us figure it out. Well, that, but like, you know, the satisfaction that we get comes from not understanding the monster of the film. It comes from seeing the protagonist of the film triumph. So it puts the focus and the emphasis and the catharsis on the character that deserves it and the character that we should be most like sympathetic with or excited for or happy yeah. about or whatever uh rather than like if everything ends bad but it's like oh well at least we understand why he did it you know i don't know i don't i don't, yeah, I don't know right. exactly what i mean by that or what i'm getting at by that but i do feel like there's a very specific distinction between those two types of endings well, and the two types of feelings of closure where i think the one that we got is much better than the alternative for some reason yeah, yeah. I I'm mean, just the, like a moral the fo- perspective. The focus is on the the one who's able to break the cycle, the one who's able yes. to actually escape it, rather than the one who's perpetuating. And the bullies it. aren't aren't picking on him, and they're afraid of him now. That's which right. Was, he's he's him proven. walking through the school is just such a. I I know I said it earlier, but I just loved that scene. I thought it was good. Yeah. It's a little. I mean, it is slightly troubling. Just like the extreme trauma that this kid has just been through and then he's just <laughs> like walking be, into school yeah. like nothing you know nothing happened or whatever but but you root for the kid he acts so you well do, yeah. you root for this kid and of course mm-hmm. you do because we don't want to see humans get slaughtered unless that's their role in a horror film and we do want to see it <laughs> we want to see it done very inventively but yeah you're right that he he is going to get the girl he's not going to be bullied any longer um he what does his buddy Robin say to him? Robin, right? What's his buddy, yeah, the, the bandana yeah. boy? Yeah, Robin. Uh, you've got Robin to Ariana. begin standing up for yourself. Yeah. And he does in the biggest way. He says that really early in the film. Defeats mm-hmm. the grabber and hopefully will get grabbed later in high school. <laughs> By the girlfriend. <laughs> I went to high school. Y'all went to high school, right? Okay, and and we all drank some barley wine stout combo we here. We did bottle logic again. <laughs> Were you grabbed by this barley wine stout? Combo? <laughs> when you grabbed this bottle and brought it in, I was thinking, wow, bottle logic. I'm I'm excited for what I'm going to be tasting here. Well, longtime listeners know that Carlos has a love hate relationship with the barley wine, mm-hmm. and we yeah, but talk- I have a love relationship with the stout. Okay, so can they mix a barley wine, which you're not the biggest fan of all of the time, with the stout, which you are, and create something really worth drinking? I'm going to go first and say, hell yes, I want three more bottles of this in my refrigerator for special occasions. This thing is delicious. I agree that it is very good. Um, One thing I'll say as far as the mixture is concerned that I think the barley wine is more present on the nose than it is on the palate. Hmm. But I do enjoy it. Yeah. I thought it was good. It's really nice uh, and viscous. It has a really great um, mouthfeel to it. It's got a nice balance of sweetness and bitterness. Nice roasty kind of... And, and, and you know, I, I like a hotter 
barrel aged beer. Mm-hmm. If I if they, if my nose hairs get singed a little bit, upon, <laughs> you're uh, not complaining. I'm not complaining about that at all. I like it. I like it a little on the boozier side most times, and this has a nice. It has enough booze, but not too much. But booze and barley wine are almost synonyms. You can you, that is sure. the expectation that you have, and I mean, I, I agree sweet. with and you. And it's delivered in sweet spades here. and booze, booze yeah. and sweet. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if only we had a gorgonzola you, you dulce realize, tonight, just, it would be perfect. I was looking because there's like kind of a cool quote on the side, and and I was, what is that? Is that from? It's from a magic card. This is, I think, a reference mm. to a Magic the Gathering card. Maybe. Okay. I would not doubt it. Big fucking nerds over there at. Bob. Logic, it's well craft beer in general. Yes, I don't but know. Search or not. Well, nerd yeah. out with us every every week, every Wednesday when a new release goes. Dude, we are about to nerd out. I'm about to nerd out. I can't speak for the two of you. In the second half of this, I'm going to nerd out a little bit, and I'm just giving everybody a fair warning. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you told us because if not, I probably would have stormed out of the room because I just. If I don't know you're gonna nerd yeah. out, I just can't do it. All right, it's, un- we- it's unbearable if I don't know how to at least prepare myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When we return. Here we go. Uh, a lively conversation in the first half of the episode. Well, it's always nice when you hit one of those films. Like again, all it sounded like all of us kind of had lowered expectations, mm-hmm. even though we knew there was some good critical buzz coming uh, right before it premiered. But to have a film really kind of impress you when you weren't expecting it to is nice. It's yeah. nice every once in a while. Yeah, I uh, agree with that. Um, and I, you know. Maybe it. I want it to be one of. I want the Black Phone to be one of those like go to every October when the horror marathons start. But there are a couple scenes in there that are pretty rough to watch, so I don't know if it'll make the regular rotation. But I did really like it, and I thought it was one of those movies that leaves you with conversation at the end of it. Yeah, which are my favorite kind of movies. Yeah, the only thing that would have made me like this movie more. Is if the Rotten Tomato score was lower than it was? <laughs> I like I like would, a yeah. sixty to sixty five percent. You, you, you know, you, you like it when films are a little more divisive with the audience and the critics. I I, I know that about you. And I'm just vamping because at some point Joe's going to talk about well, this beer. We, but we are I don't going know to drink another beer. In the first honest. half, we had a blended barley wine imperial stout. So what could we possibly do in the second half to try to even match up to that? Well, we're do- we're doing a stout boys. And David, thank you for bringing it. I'm going to talk about it because you're going to talk about our next film. Is it just a stout, though? But back in episode 69, we drank (laughs) Anchorage Brewings within us while we watched us. Uh, Ah. What a disappointing episode. Then in episode 80, we did their Star Dragon while we discussed A Purple Rain. So uh, we're doing Jaguar. Say it again. Purple Rain? Purple Rain. What episode? Th- this was probably when you weren't watching films sometimes. I don't know. Uh, I have never seen that film. <laughs> episode, uh, hold on, I've got my phone. It's, it's I'm, probably in the double digits. I'm sorry, episode 38. It was, uh, our, it was our 80th beer, and we did it with uh, Purple Rain. That was the episode where we we paired with Guava Island. 
Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Each person brought a movie? Yes. Okay, that's and, Oh, we did that We thing. did Purple yeah. Rain, oh, Dancer in the Dark, and Guava Island as music yeah. movies. I haven't seen right? Dancer in See the what Dark we did there? <laughs> oh, beer in a movie, we're always bringing you amazing content. But this is Jaguar God. It's a double-oaked bar- bourbon barrel-aged barley wine slash imperial stout blend finished on Tahitian villain vanilla beans. <laughs> Tahitian villain beans would work too. I mean, for this episode, especially. There are no Tahitian are. villains in the film we're about to discuss, but maybe someday. Tahitian vanilla beans. No, this is not open up more with vanilla beans. It's a totally different blend of beers and barrels. The Jaguar God by Anchorage Brewing. Yeah. So so I mean this this might be a first for beer in a movie where we've had two Imperial Stout barley wine blends, uh, both segments. Yeah, I mean that that's that's outstanding. That is, it's outstanding <laughs> broadcasting. Also, the kind of thing you would expect Jesus from the second favorite podcast in the Coastal Bend. Oh, yeah. we can officially announce that yes. we came in at number. To. All There's of that begging be we did amounted to second place. I'm trying, man. I'd... Well, <laughs> the leading guys of Corpus Christi are here to talk to you about Jaguar God by Anchorage. Hey, congr- congrats to leading ladies. <laughs> On the real. They uh, do I a great job. I do not want to at all be critical of the people <laughs> that beat us, the leading ladies of the Coastal Band, a podcast. That is, it's an honor to be beaten by such great podcasts. Yes, yes, it, yes. it is a good podcast. Like That woman, Brittany, that does that is a very fun well jaguar god pours thick like a motor oil i'm getting more stout on the nose than i did with the last one (laughs) i'm disagreeing with you you're disagreeing you you smell you smell more barley wine i do i definitely smell more stout but i'm looking forward to tasting this and i'm looking forward to talking about a film where it's like we're gonna pair black phone with what what are bone movies i said one missed call but i you know no one seemed enthusiastic about that movie probably because it's a fucking shitty movie yeah, well. <laughs> well it could be that or it could be because joe i think threw out the idea of a film that would allow us to revisit a filmmaker who not just we but movie lovers in general hold in some regard alfred hitchcock some. Well, you know, so. there's mixed there's mixed feelings about the man these days. I mean, as a, as a craftsman, as a technician, I think he'll always be respected. But uh, as a behavior, yeah, yeah. But it, but as like a genuine general guy, a, a man about town, not so good. Yeah. But our sixth Hitchcock film, guys. Is it our sixth? Interesting. Yeah, there you go. But an undeniable presence in cinema history, right? Truly, you cannot, yeah. especially if you're going to look at thrillers and suspense films, which essentially, you know, we talked about in the first half a little bit. Is Black Phone really a horror film? It has some moments of brutality but but there's something more like a supernatural thriller element to what, what's going on. A the gift. Yeah, yeah, right. Re- recent uh, re- review uh, from our from our recent past. So dial M for murder, right? Phone <sighs> phone built right into the title, just like uh, our first film, Rotary Phone, no less. That's right. Um, released in 1954, um, originally uh, written as a stage play and produced for television, also uh, back in '52. Uh, but Hitchcock brought it to the screen. Was intended to be a 3D picture. Went went to great late, you know, great pains to uh, to create it that way, and then started testing it, and audiences were not liking it, and uh, went, went to the 2D for the for the major release. So um, it was it was kind of the death knell of that early 3D 
era. Where, Interesting. Where, yeah. um, but, but anyhow, the story here is a fairly simple one where you mm-hmm. have a husband who is being cuckolded, deciding to exact his... <laughs> is that what's happening? Yeah. She's, uh, she's I, taken another lover, right? Uh, I that, don't know that that's what cuckold means. I think that's, I think he's she he's being cheated on. Yeah, yeah, I agree yeah with no, Carlos. but isn't isn't cuckold just a word for? I thought cuckolding was when someone uh, when, when your you wife wa- fucks somebody in front of you when you it want it you to happen. Watch. Yes, that's yeah. Okay, we'll look into this term. Uh, anyhow, he's being cheated on. <laughs> he is being cheated Jeez. on for sure. Um, he made a smaller man in his wife's eyes, and he decides to take revenge and have her killed. Uh, he finds the man he thinks will do it. Uh, a very distant sort of acquaintance from his college years who doesn't even really remember him, but he knows enough about to know that he's involved in the criminal underworld, knows that he can probably con him into doing the job, which he does, uh, and everything should go just perfectly, swimmingly fine, and that would be the end of it, except it doesn't. No. And we see his uh, his plan work initially, but then unravel and uh, and, and see him get, you know, has come up and spoilers. Well, okay. you David's right about the cuckold thing, by the way. Thank you. It's just been sort of disfigured and transformed into this thing because of the whole. Oh, Trump you train porno shit. industry. Okay, so do you mind if I do you mind if I put this in context of the other Hitchcock films that we've watched? Yeah. I would love that because I did not do that research. Okay, we have done two double feature Hitchcocks. We did the very first one back in episode 85 where we did Rear Window, which came out the same year that this film did. Also with Grace Kelly. Yeah, and uh, Vertigo, uh, which is four years later, 1958. Mm -hmm. Then our second Hitchcock double feature was The 39 Steps from 1935. So that's a good 13 years prior. And then North by Northwest, which came out five years after this one. And in our very first All Horror October, our very first episode of that month, we did Frankenstein and Psycho. Right. I think the tie-in was like two black two and white classic, or two classics. Early and of course, Psycho came out in 1960, six years after this film. That's crazy so, that it was in 1960. Yeah. Yeah, he went back to black and white, and that was, was yeah, kind of a thing. Nope. But um, the the um, I would I would put this film Dial in for Murder. On the league, because the idea that it came out the same year as Rear Window, which to me is next level, uh, I would put this in the league with Rope, which we haven't discussed on the show, but is still a almost like single set uh, play adapted to film. And also I would compare this a lot with Strangers on a Train, which I think came out six years prior. It was late 40s, um, where you've got two people planning to conspire a situation uh, in Strangers on a Train that was unwittingly for the second party. But uh, this is clearly a play. I mean, clearly this was adapted from a play. Yeah. All one set for the most part, a couple of external shots and a couple of other um, location shots. Very brief, yeah. Very brief, yeah. It really is all one set, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this is a very, I mean, I found this to be a slightly claustrophobic film, to be honest. Like, I I mean, honestly, I was like kind of, okay, move around here a little bit. I I, I wanted at least the camera to adjust the angles occasionally. But you've got the the mastermind, the husband, bringing in an unwitting... Uh, through duplicitous like means to get him even into the apartment uh, and then a blackmail scheme basically a blackmail slash uh, uh, yes blackmail blackmail. scheme 
to get him to kill his wife. I've got it all planned out. It is the perfect murder. He thinks he's so fucking smart. And he he is until he isn't. Uh, I've got two foils, though, that she's cheating on me with a crime writer who thinks this stuff out for a living. (laughs) And Which they don't really even play up all that much. Is 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 until the one, end, yeah. Right? No, it does come up, but yeah. And then the, and a police investigator who should be a police investigator in every police investigator investigator movie ever made, in my opinion. This, this guy is, is fucking classic. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you mean in his like modest manner of policing? Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, one more thing. The thing that's going to undo this. You. Look, spoilers, people. Yeah, this is a spoiler film. This is stop this is a listening. You should watch this movie if you haven't seen it. You oh, should really? watch it. Spoil it. You should watch oh, it because I feel yeah, like David. the spoiler. I'm kind putting of this. T- I'm putting this film into a, a different category B than a you must level see. Hitchcock. This is this is definitely a if you've exhausted. Uh, <laughs> well, no, seriously, if you've exhausted all the top tier Hitchcock. Right. Yeah, go ahead. If I'm not going to disagree and with you. If you don't you, mind watching commercials on Tubi, go ahead and watch but it. But the top tier of his second I tier is fucking incredible. Though. I paid money for this. I, yeah, me too. I, I don't disagree with you that it's like not a perennial all-time Hitchcock classic, but I do think it's a movie that benefits from you not knowing how it's going to end or like knowing the plot yeah. ahead of time. So if you haven't seen it and huh. you think you want to, go ahead and watch it. I felt like this one um, was pretty... And I... I I felt like it. I knew what was going to happen pretty early. Like, okay, the guy's scheming to kill his wife. He's going to end up. In, well, of course. I mean, yeah. of course. But the but the mechanisms of how are what's interesting. Anyway, okay, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Spoiler alert: This film ends by this policeman, the, the inspector, combing his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> roll credits. Yeah. It's the craziest end movie I've ever seen. That's a good what point. That is, that is a great final shot. On? It's so weird. Well, I mean, come on. Look, this guy's like, he's the law. You know, the law takes care of these things. But it's not the even end. like a little tiny baby mustache comb. It's like the kind of comb that I carry around to comb my actual hair. But he's using it on just his mustache. Yeah. He's, he's a Which is a modest must- mustache at best. I it's know, no Magnum P.I. mustache. One. A serious you know? one. When I a crack a one. case and my culprit is in handcuffs. I comb my fucking mustache, is what this guy says. Clearly. It is, it is. and Look, this film is a stage production, which means that it's a single set on a stage. And Hitchcock probably saw that stage performance. But what he does with the camera and the movement, to me, you say claustrophobic, David. I say refreshing and open. There's a 22-minute sequence when the guy he wants to murder his wife is called through a lie to his house Mm -hmm. while the wife is out with her lover. Ex-lover at this point. I just like the word lover. And you can still say lover and say ex-lover. The cat and mouse game, cat being superior, mouse being inferior, that of, of hooking this guy in to kill the wife, come back later at a time where I've, you know, where we're going to coordinate all of it is so riveting to me the way that that dialogue the way that that guy is played Hmm. now and then he comes back to kill the wife and the plan goes according to plan except that his request that she stay home to 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 glue his newspaper clippings means she has to retrieve scissors 
she uses those scissors to kill her assailant. That uh oh, my plan is completely fucked up. Mm-hmm. But there's a new plan. I can now frame my wife for right. the murder and still get my goal, which is her uh, out of my life, yeah. her inheritance. No, yeah. or right, the, right. the money if she you know is killed because yeah. she gets the death sentence for the murder that she did not commit. Right. I I think this movie is almost it's like A minus or B plus Hitchcock. You know what I'm saying? It is this I put, movie. I, put it I love in, this movie. I put it more at. B B minus. Uh, uh, oh, maybe uh, I have B I'm minus. I'm not going to arm wrestle you over it. Okay, I mean, it's, over it's a plus a, or a minus. It's yeah. a fine. It's a fine watch. I can't see myself returning to this one again. I, it's. I mean, I think it is. It. I don't know if it, it is. is we've talked about this on 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 the podcast before. I hear what you're saying, where you feel like it does enough cinematically in terms of camera movement to get you away from feeling like it's too set bound. I I ultimately feel like this one, and sometimes I don't with these plays ad- adapted in yeah. films, but this one I felt it. I felt it in that extended dialogue scene. Like, I think it gets to some interesting places, but I think it's a good 20 minutes longer than it needs to be. Oh, I think, no. I think it could have been cut down. It, and, and I would have loved to have seen a little bit more movement outside of the place. Like, her, maybe have the, the couple be outside when they're having their mm-hmm. initial exposition. Maybe have him meet the guy in another location. I don't know. It, it just... I think you could have opened it up. Can't meet the guy in another location because you're going to open yourself up to discovery if you Fair meet enough. him anywhere. Fair enough. Okay. I... I really liked this movie. I love it. I don't think... Do I think it's like... If I, like... Okay, for instance, I just hired this new girl at the shop, right? She's 18. She's never fucking seen anything, right? Nothing. She's seen The Big Lebowski like 5,000 times, which is a good movie to have huh. seen a bunch of times, but outside of that, nothing. Is that, is, that why, is that why you hired her? She had that little glimmer of hope? No. Oh. I didn't know that until like weeks okay. in. Uh, but... If it were to come up in conversation at some point, something about a Hitchcock movie, and she said to me, I've never seen a single Alfred Hitchcock movie. This is not the first movie I'm going to point her to. It might what not even, not by it, it might, it might not even be movie? in the first 10 movies that I say. Like, if you want to. Probably 20. If you want to get no. to Hitchcock, I, I, it's it's in 20. It's 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 a classic but he, whodunit. But see, it's a but, classic but, but, but whodunit. But See all of his movies and then do the ranking because I think you. I mean, I and I'll I'll put myself. I've not seen all of Hitchcock's movies, but I've I seen enough seen all of them either. Where I'm I'm comfortable putting this towards the lower third versus no the, yeah, lower third. Joe, the lower man has third. made how many of his films? He has made 60, 60 plus movies. Yeah, a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, if there's going to be twenty that are that lower third. Dilemmas in that. Uh-oh. Okay, I think I no, think you're if you're wrong. talking about it from like a cinematic achievement perspective and like an influence on the craft and of impact filmmaking, when I'm watching it. Oh, see, I and I had a great time. I love. I'm watching glad. It. I listen. I'm glad. And 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 this just goes to set, show that okay, you need to listen to multiple critics because for me, this is going to be in that lower third. Quentin Tarantino is, has to love this movie, right? I, I don't. Why know, do you think Tarantino has the feet in it? Oh, oh. <laughs> um, not really a lot of feet, but but the dialogue is really well crafted. Yeah, it's it's well written. It's well, I bril- it's, it's really well delivered. It's got a nice Howard pace Hawks to films it. Had great dialogue. I mean, well, I, let's not get. I into think that. no. See, I mean, I'm I'm saying I think if he likes snappy patter and dialogue, there are other places that he might I go. That would be. I legit forgot the name of the Howard Hawks movie that we did. 
because it was very Red River. Red River. Yeah. Ugh, could but give a his, fuck. His Girl Friday is more what I'm talking Like okay. his screwball comedy Red stuff. River for the homosexual uh, Ooh, implications yeah. of the gun fight. The whole, thing, is, the okay. whole thing was just I couldn't nah, I like Red River. It. Okay. Good movie. I'm going to get us back no, on track. But, with no, the, but actually, actually, you brought that up. <laughs> There's a really weird line in this movie where one of the police officers is holding a purse and the inspector is like, you can't walk down the street like that. You'll be arrested. Right. Just because he's holding a fucking purse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, hey, like, I know. Decency laws, buddy. I know, I know. Huh? I know about Alan Turing. Like, I, you know, I fucking majored in philosophy. We went over this, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I want to I dive into this. He, you see in that opening, like, um, offer to kill my wife for money floor shots ceiling shots um um intentional shots where two of them are in frame with a big lamp prop between them to show all of those like cinematic things that hitchcock does so well of the visual being more than what you just see because a lesser director would have locked a camera down and just had them have a conversation. But the way that I like Carlos, the dialogue in this film is incredible and and it was a play before. So let's give props to the screenwriter who was the playwright. I mean, he is instrumental here, but what Hitchcock is able to do is bring the camera in and make this claustrophobic David, I'll use your word potential scene into something cinematic. Um, the idea that it all comes down to the key is yeah. so much fun. It so is, much fun. I agree. I, I, I 100% agree with you. And this is, the, and so that in case you haven't seen it, this is the, him leaving a key under a carpet on a stairwell right outside the door. And then the, the, the murder being botched because she actually kills her assailant. And then what can he quickly do to come home and fix it so that his nefarious means are still the ones that are executed? He just happened to have people around him that were not smarter, but more clever. Yeah, and just there's no such thing as a perfect crime. Like, especially... I mean, like, the thing was, he's outsourcing this whole situation, right? And, like, when you're hearing... So he can create an alibi. Yeah. For sure. And when you're hearing his plan, on the one hand, you're like, oh, man, this is really well thought out. Like, and I actually, when uh, uh, Swan or Lesgate or whatever the fuck this guy's name is, Mm -hmm. comes in... The killer. I wasn't rooting for him, but I, but there were times where I was like, just get behind the curtain, dude. Just do what you're supposed to do. I don't know why I just like was wanting him to execute the plan to perfection for some reason, but just because it had been so much, we spent so much time having it laid out. <laughs> it's like he and tried he, so hard. And he's like, and he's, and he's, well, no, his watch and he, stopped and he didn't make the phone call well, at no, the right I know, time. I know right. that, but it's not even that. It's when he first walks in and he's like just wandering around for a second. And he's like looking at stuff and I'm like, just get behind the curtain, dude. Like, what the fuck are you and he doing? Likes it's down and he started playing Xbox for a minute. It was kind of <laughs> yeah. weird. It was like, yeah, 50s. yeah. Why is there an Xbox? He jumped yeah. on Call of Duty and was, you know, <laughs> honing noobs or whatever the kids say. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that but, was. But, like, 
I, but I, he's not a cold-blooded. Hold on, the Xbox saying really no, fucked I'm my sorry. train of thought. He's of. not a cold-blooded assassin, though. I think it's kind of showing that that he's. You know, oh, oh, yeah. This yeah, is yeah, something yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been cajoled into. He does. He no, for sure, for sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, no, so what I was saying is that like when you're hearing Tony, the character Tony, uh, the husband, lay out the plan, you're like, wow, this is really well thought out. And then the second that this guy shows up, you're like, or actually, even before that, when the wife wants to go to a movie instead of stay home, like yeah, he yeah, anticipated, yeah. you're like, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah, of course, there was no way that this was gonna go. Right. In in that moment, you realize that there are so many assumed variables of how things are going to go that you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's fucked, you know. And then at that point, it's just like. But he is a master manipulator. He well, he is. And so that's what makes the rest of the movie interesting. Yeah. Is that the husband that's playing the murder is is a master manipulator. Is that you're like, okay, now things have started to go wrong. What is he going to do now? How is this going to play out? What twists and turns is he going to try to orchestrate or going to try to like, you know, manipulate other people into believing or mm-hmm. whatever? And then at a certain point, you re- like towards the end, it's like, man, is he going to get away with this? And then you're like, there's no way, right? There's no way. And then right. the guy shows back up again. And as soon as he dropped his latch key, as they say, just a key, um, and had the whole thing of like, oh, these all kind of look the same, don't they? I was like, oh, okay. Something's going on. Well, that inspector what is also a master manipulator, a yeah. mastermind. And you can tell that it is. with his gray hair and his dapper mustache that needs a comb, that it he needs. is going to, you know, this is this is the real cat and mouse. And, and that's kind of like, I think that kind of like ties into like the moral of the story as well, is that the reason that the inspector is a much, uh, even though he probably does break some laws in this, uh, at least modern (laughs) as we understand it now. Or American law, certainly. Yeah, sure. Uh, The reason that he is more successful as a manipulator is because he's not beholden to any lies or anything like that. Like, he is just in service of, like, the things that actually took place and just like with every political scandal you've ever seen, any literally any situation where a lie is involved the more you try to lie the worse it gets if you just tell the truth you know yeah. you're on the right side of things and at the I, end of the day. I like the um duality here you've got the husband who's putting the murder together laying out fact after fact after fact that he knows about the the gentleman that he wants to commit the murder mm-hmm. and they come together through the, to, to buy a car can you come over to my house? I've, I've bummed my knee. I can't make it. Can you come over to my house? And then he comes over to the house. And then he begins laying out, the husband begins laying out, well, actually it's this. No, actually it's this. No, actually it's this. And then once he has him, okay, the murder mm-hmm. is attempted. The killer is killed. She goes, uh, he, he is able to manipulate it into putting her in jail for you know uh, committing a, a murder because there's a blackmail story that we haven't talked about much. But then the inspector comes in and he does the same thing to our villain. Mm-hmm. I know this and I know this and I know this. I'm going to slowly unreal it so that I, the next time this is on stage anywhere, I think I want to go see it because I just like hmm. the story so much. You know, and, and, and go, and that's, going back to what you said earlier, I need I, the the dialogue thing. This isn't Tarantino dialogue. This is it's 1954 this dialogue. Is like, 
having to stuff way too much information exposition into the dialogue dialogue. This isn't dialogue that tells me about characters and their interests and their tastes. This is dialogue that's telling me plot points that I need to be paying attention to. That's why I found this movie. I mean, honestly, the more you guys are talking about it, the more it dawns on me. This was kind of a chore to watch. I I <laughs> so wrong, don't okay. remember the last time that we picked a movie where I was, I felt more like it was a homework assignment than, than this no, one. I can oh. certainly remember worse than this. You well, the, so and I'm sure you can. We all have our, you know, points that like, I, I know. David, you Lamb. like everything. And when you don't like something, it is always such a it's weird de- curveball. <laughs> it's a weird curveball. How do you, okay, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I enjoyed the whodunit aspect of it. And Ray, I th- Ray Milland is like a cheap Cary Grant. Like, he's not quite as charming as Cary Grant. Certainly. And, and nor do I think Cary Grant would play this role because he is the villain and uh-huh. Cary Grant doesn't play the villain. But it, it, so it comes off as like this weird, cheap version of another kind of performance yeah. that I know from Hitchcock. I don't know. No, it, it is B-level Hitchcock, I will agree And with Grace that. Kelly, compare her performance here and the character here to Rear Window. It's not even close. No. Like, Rear Window is so much more charming and effervescent. I can't and, disagree with you. Like I said at the very beginning, Rear Window is next level. Rear Window is a game, Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. He did up until a point... And the point is right about now, 1954, if you consider the films that we just mentioned that we've already discussed that are ahead of his of him in his career. This is a... Uh, it's almost like an Alfred Hitchcock Presents episode. It's like a Columbo episode. There you go. And I, and, and I, will, okay. I will concede that. But it is so enjoyable. And I imagine in 1954, when you had Rear Window and this film... And you went to go see both of them. You thought, with this film, Dial M for Murder, well, that was enjoyable. That was an enjoyable time at the cinema. Yeah. And then you went to go see Rear Window, and you went, whoa. You know, oh, <laughs> hope, shit. Yeah. We yeah, saw sure. something even oh. grander than. Yeah. And then sure. and then it begins the, like an onslaught of. Well, and he had But some I will stuff say, behind him, he already had Stranger on a Train. And, 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 yeah, and he, he had it, some good shit. Uh, yeah, I, but those aren't. We're going to we're we're gonna gonna talk. go back and watch some older Hitchcock because we've really. I mean, the oldest saboteur. That you named, I mean, there's is some, this the oldest? No, that we've uh, no, the Thirty Nine no, Steps. Thirty Nine Steps, and that was forty. Thirty five. Thirty nine. Okay, you're right. Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Okay. What did I say a little while ago? Well, we should well, do some other. And that's. Great. I don't know. I've I been mean, drinking a bunch of barley wine stouts, and all the numbers are all jumbled up in my mind. You're right. It's thirty five. I feel like the only thing previous to this movie that he had done that gets any Rebecca. kind of like oh god thing Rebecca is the man who knew too much Rebecca notorious do people talk notorious. about Rebecca yes, in a big way yes. yeah, yeah. yeah Rebecca yeah. is have you seen Rebecca no oh we, we, dude there's there's an endless yes. which is again why it's like geez it's hard to and think. strangers on a train Carlos give that attention that's yeah. a good have you seen it <laughs> no. I am oh you are the weirdest film critic in that you already have. <laughs> he redoes the man who knows. He did, yeah, he, he did, did it twice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but then you get Vertigo fifty eight, North by Northwest fifty nine, Psycho sixty, yeah, the Birds sixty three. Gets I mean, into Jesus, the, yeah, he gets the, into that. But then he gets into zone. a funk at the end, and then and yeah, doesn't, yeah, yeah, then he dies. Frenzy, um, Marnie, and then he dies. Yeah, he died in nineteen eighty. I mean, he was born in like what. 
1889 or something like he, he had a good run uh, he was born when this country was founded I enjoyed the film Carlos I'm glad that I'm not alone in the they, room they say with that the, David, put your John you Hancock they mean put down your Alfred Hitchcock yeah yeah uh, yeah, I, I like this movie. I don't know why. I, I there's something about this it's just, era. It's just up and it's open, shut, fun. I I agree. And then I, and and there's something. Kill your wife, fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's watching people don't try knock to until out. You done it, David. <laughs> it's watching people try to outwit each other. That's entertaining. And then and then mm-hmm. there's the Technicolor whole thing of it all. Like the way that color films look in this era mm-hmm. is. Even if it's just one room, it still looks really yeah. cool to me. Grace Kelly is obviously stunning and like a huge talent in her own right. So anytime she's on screen, she's captivating. She's like a Keanu Reeves type yeah. of mm-hmm. like just has an on-screen she's presence gorgeous. and energy. Yeah, yeah. Where like even if she's not doing a whole lot, like uh-huh. in the case of this film, there's still something interesting about her. On our Facebook, on our Discord, I'll post a three-minute Scorsese intro that he did somewhere to this film. Mm. Where he talks about you the... make David eat his eat his review <laughs> by giving the Scorsese. Co-sign. No, he, he just talks about the three D ness of it. Uh, okay, and exactly what David talked about was that the three D was a very short blip that yeah. Hitchcock got involved in here, but that it, it was I'd love uh, to see that cut. Yeah, it was it was undone by a Universal film presentation. Where they'll rumble the seat, you know, forty, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, and um, so the massive audi- uh, American audience saw it in this two D version, but that the three D version that it was shot for, including key inserts and the hand reaching out when she's being attacked, love it is um, and and the he talks about Scorsese talks about the um, architecture of the of the of the room. Mm-hmm. That it does appear next level, but until you see that 3D format version, we will never know. Interesting. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Cost me three dollars. Same. Get in there. I was not mad about it. Get in there. David's wrong about this one. <laughs> but is he wrong I think, about? I think I think David has valid critiques of this movie, but I I do think it was worth three dollars. David's personally. no Jaguar God when it comes to his review of Dial in for Murder. As good a transition as we could expect at this point. <laughs> yeah. But but am I a Jaguar God in terms of the Jaguar God that I brought here to share with you guys today? What did you think, David? Two barley wines. Am I a Jaguar wines. God for bringing this beer? Yeah. I mean, I think in a sense I am. I think this is the superior stout barley wine blend of the two we had this episode. I completely I, I like agree this one and better. I hold you in high holy <laughs> consideration. Can I just reread the description of this beer real quick? I hope that you would because I've lost track of everything. Blend of several vintages of double oak barley wines mm. and imperial stouts mm. aged in a variety of bourbon barrels for one to one and a half years and finished on Tahitian vanilla beans. It is 15.5%. Wow. See? And oh. it is delicious. It is really, really good. I loved the, our bottle logic. That was a good that was a good beer. This is a great beer. This is a great beer. Jaguar God is uh, one for the ages, and it might be a name that one, I have to imagine, one of the three of us bandies around at the Bammies at the end of 2022. It has to be. Well, okay, actually, 
this is right up there for me this year for sure we'll talk about this on patreon probably patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast five dollars a month gets you bonus episode every single week but i started watching iron legend or iron chef colon iron oh, legends yeah, yeah. that's the new one that came the out new one that came out on netflix yeah and the last episode i watched was only the second episode but the theme was tailgating okay the ingredient was ribs and one thing that danny trejo said about the iron chef and his uh, courses that he delivered was that he didn't feel like they were really, it was really tailgate food. It was too fancy, right? And so because of that, it kind of missed the mark of what was supposed to be, what was advertised, whatever. And you could criticize this beer because I don't think the barley wine comes through a lot. Did y'all get a lot of barley wine? No, I I don't, but... But I think it's there in the perfect amount to sort of just soften the stout a little bit. Like the stout, I can detect the coffee in there, and I think it would have like maybe a little more bitterness to it if that barley wine wasn't there to balance it just a little bit. I think it's just perfect, mm. and it's in the the balance. Like I said, I mean, yeah. I just think this is the exact ratio of these different blend, you know, different blend components that I would want. I guess with the first one is that I could identify each of the elements of the blend in different ways. Yeah. And with this one, I can't put like, I mean, what you said makes sense, but I just can't be like, oh, the barley wine in this way. I don't know. Yeah. It's not on the nose like it was in the first one, but it is, it does taste better. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. So that's, that's my, that's my take on that. Very easy to drink. I know that everyone's been racing to the theater to see Elvis or whatever the fuck, but if you found time in your very busy schedule to go see the Black Phone in lieu of or in addition to Elvis, uh, we would love to know what you think. That's our favorite part about this show is that the conversation continues after the episode has ended and you know exactly where all that happens. It happens on social media and a few other places, but uh, you can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer in a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer in a Movie TX. That's the abbreviation for Texas. Beer in a Movie Podcast.com is the home base where you can find all sorts of delectable delights there. You can find a link to our merch store, tpublic.com slash user slash Beer in a Movie. Uh, there's shirts, there's mugs, there's all sorts of great stuff on there. I was wearing my Beer in a Movie shirt earlier today. Someone came up to me and they're like, hey, is one of those guys a hop? Is that what that is? And I was like, yeah, good job. <laughs> and, and you can also find... Hop 2 to our merch page. Hop 2 to our merch page. Thank you. That was A-level broadcasting. Uh, you can also find a link to our Discord where we're having all sorts of conversations and discussions, yes, about the episodes, but also about many other things as well. In fact, as we were recording, I got yelled at by Carl Ferguson for something that we were talking about in the Discord uh, late last week. Uh, and you can also find this great like collection curation of episodes that revolve around directors or all horror October, different kind of themes that we've explored in the past. Joe's put together these great kind of uh, lists of episodes where if this is something you're interested in, these are the episodes that you should listen to. Last first. week's cage match is already up on the cage match page. Last week's cage match is in there. Uh, so if there is a particular type of film or area of filmmaking actor director genre whatever the case may be that you particularly fancy there is a beer in a movie episode or episodes for you that you can find there um of course if you're listening to this on apple podcast please rate review and subscribe it helps the algorithm do what it do to put us in front of more beer and movie lovers out there not just in the coastal bend we're where we are the second favorite podcast but <laughs> in the entirety of america and 
the world at large. And uh, this has been another... Horrific? Uh, Suspenseful? Uh, magical? Booze episode fuel? of Beer Supernatural. Supernatural? Well, because he was a magician. That's where I was going. Oh, there magical. you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, abracadabra, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> Don't make me stay home. You know how I hate doing nothing. Thank you.